To most customers and fans, today's distilling industry seems like it has changed very little in the last 300 years. And indeed, tradition is the hallmark of many spirits, and it's what many customers look for in buying a spirit. But, as much as it appears to say the same, it changes, with as many changes coming from within as being caused by outside events. While spirit consumption around the world continues to grow, customers are demanding more, wanting to feel as good about the distillery as about the spirit they're drinking. Green credentials and sustainability platforms have grown in importance as much as quality and flavour. But with the rise in fuel and raw material prices, distillers have to wonder, will they be able to meet their customers' demands while maintaining a healthy bottom line? One company which has been aiding distillers reach their and their customers' goals since 1732 is Briggs of Burton, the world's oldest and number one distilling and brewing design and engineering company. Hi, this is Rian Owen, Managing Editor of the Distillers Journal. And I'm Tim Sheehan. Joining us today from Briggs is Scott Davies, who will be talking about some of the major issues and challenges facing distillers today and how Briggs of Burton is helping to overcome them. Briggs has worked with Beam Suntory, Diageo, Perno Ricard, Jose Cuervo, Locke Lomond and numerous other spirit and beer companies on every continent except for Antarctica. Recent and ongoing major turnkey projects have been in China, Scotland, England, Mexico and the USA. They've had some major successes. Scott says this is underpinned by focusing on the three S's, safety, sustainability and sales. They are referred to as a process engineering company. Scott says this means they focus on the end-to-end -end manufacturing of a product. Basically, it's a one-stop shop for a distillery project, whether that's a copper pot still, tank from expansion, or new greenfield distillery. And their team is made up of process engineers, mechanical and industrial automation and control engineers to design and build systems. So, yeah, the, the team have been incredibly busy working on a major tequila distillery in Jalisco, Mexico where Briggs' involvement has been the design and engineering to kind of take effectively the agave, put in all the steps and processes and control systems to then ensure that agave is processed, whether it be fermented or distilled, and exits that process in a filled bottle ready for shipment. So we're not necessarily interfacing with the farmers or agave production, nor with the shippers of those glass bottles and that, but we, we really sit in bridging that piece from taking a raw material and turning it into a spirit at a whole variety of scales and for a range of spirits around the world. And, and that's definitely the excitement of the team here is that variety of, of spirit types and the challenges different geographies present. According to Statista, in 2021, Mexico produced 527 million litres of tequila, the highest volume recorded since 1995. Within two and a half decades, production of this tequila increased by approximately 405%, with a difference of 153 million litres between 2020 and 2021. 
But how prepared were the distillers in Jalisco, Western Mexico, for a surge in tequila? Fortunately, we can't necessarily name any names, and you may, in the coming weeks, months, see some further publicity. But it's it's one of the world's leading tequila distillers, and a great privilege to be working on uh, their projects, realizing that the scale of operations that they are fulfilling. Obviously, to, to satisfy the, the worldwide demand and thirst for tequila, um, they have a requirement to, 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 to expand and grow, uh, achieving half a million bottles annually. So, I mean, the scales of these operations are, are enormous, and to meet those, you do, you do need a, a seasoned and experienced team um, familiar in kind of delivering those types of projects. So. Yeah, as part of a process, we went there, saw the lie of the land, evaluate some of the existing plants and infrastructure. And typically, do you know I mean, at the back of our mind as an engineering team, will stuff fit in? Is it a new site? Is it an existing site? Uh, is there going to be sufficient power to, to power all these motors and other components? Water, obviously fundamental to the distilling process. Is there room to expand? I mean, is, is the aspiration of the distillery build today to meet this year's growth aspirations or for five and 10 years time? And have we maybe space provisioned where additional components could be installed at future, but we might have rooted some of the, the steam or other utilities to a point where we know we can build on from that point in the future. Distilleries need to be built for tomorrow's world. Yet, if you drive through the Jalisco and past many of the tequila distilleries to the casual observer, the tourist, it doesn't look like much has changed in a hundred years. It's not lost on as an engineering company that many of these brands thrive on the history and the legacy, which we do also in terms of our uh, long history. That's that's part of your heritage and, and to shrug that off I think would be would be quite sad in many ways because obviously the, the evolutions and revolutions you may have gone through but practically that the hundred year facade that you may see in the oldie worldie um, shouldn't be lost in the audience that actually to to meet some of the scales of operations that these producers are that the efficiencies and technologies of a hundred years ago don't meet current demand and I guess they wouldn't necessarily meet the future demand wrapped up in the, the requirements around sustainability or objectives on reducing water and energy. So yeah, there's, there's clearly instances where some of it is very much for visitor appeal. And I think as part of that, you just need to be mindful as to what, what you're being shown and, and maybe the volume that, that, that's being serviced behind that sometimes. You'll be aware that it is a visitor centre and it is a, an experience which are incredibly enjoyable in their own right. And quite often behind the scenes, there, there can be a larger production environment satisfying the needs of the market. So while there is a healthy and vibrant craft market, the popularity of tequila on the world stage couldn't be serviced with artisan practices. It's a difficult balance to strike, one in which distillers want to protect their brand and the processes that have gone before but at the same time leveraging new technology to realise volume. And you don't go to plant and just duplicate their existing operation. You modernise. You make it more efficient by both minimising losses such as materials and energy, while increasing production. 
Scott says there is a real appetite and desire to take best practices and lessons learned from other projects, other industries, other sectors and other spirit types. And when we look at a new project, not just start from scratch and try to reinvent the wheel, but build on the, I guess, stand on the shoulder of giants in terms of the projects we've done previously and really deploying those efforts and experiences across all of the unit operations. So the fermentation, the distillation, how across those systems are we capturing carbon dioxide off the fermenters and repurposing it to maybe offset the CO2 of the plant. For the distillation side, there's clearly a heating requirement to boil off uh, the alcohol and then cool and condense it back to the liquid state. So that interplay between heating and cooling. What are we doing with that transition and, and are we recovering all the, the heat in that instance or are we just letting to the environment? The, the engineering team can't quite resist and it, I'm sure it kills them inside that it, it's just lost to the environment. And many of the key performance indicators and projects we work on mean based on the performance and their targets of the site, they can't simply do that. They have to find ways that that heat or that cooling is reintroduced to the system. Um, for the benefit of the process itself, but also to minimise the impact on the environment. And that's that's the, that's the real excitement for, for an engineer working on, on a distillery such as that. And Scott says working with a distiller in all aspects of the plant and its performance gives Briggs a bird's eye view of the client's entire operation. I guess on that particular project, it's at that scale and with the mix of inputs and outputs, you really do need a holistic of view. You need a site-wide perspective. There's always heat sources and sinks. So at a certain point, you're heating something and something needs to be cooled down. So you, you do have to stand back, work with the, the customer to sort of push on the equipment that could maybe take heat from one location, introduce it another, which would save, save across the plant and that. And it's I guess that holistic joining up of the dots of all of the unit operations that you might not get if you were a supplier of a specific piece of equipment. You, you live in your silo, you might provide a piece of equipment just to the distilling side. But if you stand back as a, a process engineering company or, or Briggs, a turnkey engineering project company where we're responsible for the overall site, it does play into your hands that you get the, the, over, the overview of all the operations, all of the bits, and actually probing and, and putting into the practices of where we know how to take heat and cooling from one location or energy and redeploy it elsewhere across the site, really for the benefit of the customer to meet their sustainability objectives. Tequila producers are keenly aware of the need for sustainable methods and are making great strides in ensuring processes are ecologically friendly as possible. And while there are the startup farm distilleries, craft distilleries, and large pre-prohibition distilleries traversing Halisco, Scott says, when looking through an engineering lens, which is around water and energy, size is an advantage. I guess what comes with scale is also budget for larger capital equipment and maybe investments towards more premium technologies or technologies that have paybacks that are beyond those at a smaller scale or a craft scale where Actually, their focus is on maybe post-COVID survival or um, a growth where that money might be invested elsewhere. So if, if we look at water and energy and larger scale operations, then 
I think they are more aligned. So just imagine you're a 24-7 operation where there's a whole series of heating and cooling loops to, um, and water systems that because you're running 24-7 and probably with a level of automation, you can have systems that are managing and taking those heat and cooling areas and putting them back into the right parts of the plant at the right time. I think as you move towards smaller batch operations, you've kind of got this ebb and flow and this startup shutdown operation. So there may be instances if you had the technology and you'd invested in some heat recovery as an example, you maybe captured some hot water off your um, condensers and you stored it. When would that be used? If it was in a 24-7 operation, there is likely to be another user of that hot water, at which point you've recovered and used it. At the craft scale, at the smaller scale operations, you might have recovered it. But the frequency of your operations, that shutdown, start-stop operations, riding that wave of up and downs, often means that you may have recovered it, but there might not be a time in which you could reintroduce it into that system. So that's one of the benefits of scale and larger operations is they can almost flatline all of those peaks and troughs of turning things on and turning them off in that, um, which is much harder to do at a smaller scale, just which is inherent to those scale of operations. While from an engineering perspective, larger plants may be more efficient when it comes to their water and energy, as they aren't stopping and starting operations, size doesn't mean that they don't have to navigate through rough waters. Right now, the distilling industry, and indeed all industries throughout the world, seem to be getting hit by black swan events, situations that you didn't see coming, nor could predict, such as COVID and now the Ukrainian crisis, which is driving up the cost of fuel and raw materials. We think of these events as being very unique to us right now, but when you look at Briggs's 290-year history, there have been a whole flock of black swan events which have affected the distilling industry, such as the American Revolution, the Panic of 1825, the Great Depression, Prohibition and two world wars. Are there steps that distillers can take in their design to make them more bulletproof to events outside their control? Astonishing of, of the volume of stuff that's happened in, in Briggs's history and how the brewers and distillers of the world have, have worked around that. So, yeah, I think to address your specific project around sort of bulletproofing or, or building in to their design some, some resilience or resistance to, to external factors, I think we see probably a number of levels and approaches, I, I guess, spanning sort of flexibility and efficiency. I mean, Having a capacity to maybe accept a variety in terms of the quality of raw materials and through maybe the equipment that you've chosen, it, it provides some resilience because you're taking in raw materials off the land. Do you know I mean, with the change in environment, the weather conditions, droughts, etc., that has huge impacts on that very heterogeneous raw stuff that's coming in, which inherently has some variety to it that you're having to then managed through a process effectively and the engineering team with, with the systems thinking in a, a process outlook want to reduce those variables because their target is, is an output and to sort of control that so 
if as part of your design or equipment selection, you've kind of got some uh, tolerance that the, the stuff that comes in can be processed, um, whether it's good or less good because the, the world and weather outside's changed, I think that'll put you in a, a stronger position. Then, when it comes to a design perspective, the team at Briggs always ask, what if? And you ask a whole series of questions around what what if, basically? What if that failed? What if, what if that was shut off? What if it was lightning strike? What if it flooded? What if the weather or temperature outside increased in that? So there are some rigorous tools that you can do and, and the Briggs team do as part of a design process where those are kind of baked into the design. Um, it's just good engineering practice, maybe things that we take for granted. And maybe if you're newer to the distilling and brewing scene, you, you might not have seen or heard before, whereas the team here very much do that as, as part of their line of inquiry. They, you, you should be surprised that when you sort of navigate a distilling project, they're asking lots of probing questions around, well, what about this? What about that? And that's partly experience and partly through the sort of standardised processes processes and techniques and their, their skills and their engineering toolbox to kind of well, we have a, an obligation and accountability to make this work and, and we should be mindful as a system it, it may be impacted by a whole series of external factors that are known so things that we can document and things that we can test against and there are instances where we may introduce some capacity or some tolerances for, for some of the unknowns but Quite often they'd be documented and specified and, and built into the design. And Scott says that one of the most important aspects of making sure your distillery is ready for the future is thinking about energy. All of our customers are clearly exploring energy, the energy mix, and asking what's next. I think part of the challenge, and you may be seeing here in this too there's this we're in a bit of a state of flux in terms of our current infrastructure what the, the sources of our current supply and and clearly an aspiration from our own organization society and the, the customers we work with to to change to decarbonize i think what's really difficult in the current environment and with the news and headlines is clearly the greenwashing and really honing into those facts and figures as to what is appropriate, what's appropriate for me, what's appropriate for my distillery, what's appropriate for my distillery now and in the future. I think navigating that is one of our current challenges for the sector. There's clearly everyone has an interest and their agenda around that. I mean, the, the technology supplier of the hygiene boiler has an agenda. Um, the government policies and views have, have some guidance. And, and really quite interested, they've run a whole series of decarbonisation grants and initiatives to, to align people to, to push the boundaries on that. When it comes to the design of the distillery and the rising cost of energy and that giant concern that affects all those in business, which is how can I ensure I'm ahead of the curve, that I'm ready for the next big thing? Scott says that it's really important to act on those what-ifs and build flexibility into the design of your distillery. This is a tricky thing to do. One of the reasons being is that building flexibility into the distillery in terms of stuff going in as a raw material, but also the fuel types, may be costly. And it isn't guaranteed that you'll use the function you've added. 
but one of the things that Briggs is doing is making sure their customers are technology ready and that they see their distillery as modular. What do we mean by that is we'll provision for some capacity for plug and play elements whereby there are space provision for maybe additional technologies to be introduced in the future when their commercial appropriateness or technology readiness changes things like vapor recompression there's sometimes space and height constraints that you you build in now and then you can be in a position you can introduce that technology if if you don't we have retrofitted them but it does present some challenges and really exploring some of the technologies around the fuel types and the, the heating mediums and sources so for them in particular, it's, it's a blend of space provisioning, that design concept around modularity of, we don't know all of the things that we might plug in in the future. We know now and, and several years into the future, but we don't know into the longer term. And, and the lifespans of these plants aren't just years, it's tens of years, if not hundreds of years and that. So having that ability to make provision for the unknown is, is something that we're trying to introduce into that sort of system. In talking with new whisky distillers in Scotland, one term they use quite frequently is legacy. They're not interested in creating a distillery which will run its course in 10 to 20 years. They're looking at 200 years or so down the road with their great-grandchildren involved in the craft. If you want to create a legacy, however, you'll need it in your design and engineering. You'll need to future-proof yourself. And with distilling being an incredibly energy-intensive process, and with a global rise in energy costs, this can feel like an overwhelming task. But for Briggs of Burton, they've seen it all before. And they're armed with solutions. The Distillers Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by me, Tim Sheehan, and my colleague, Rian Owen. Sound engineering is by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young, with the executive producer, Rory Harris. And special thanks today to Briggs of Burton. <laughs>